Thank you so much for listening to this message from God's Word. At Pahuska's First Baptist Church, we believe the Bible is God's holy word and the key to knowing Him in a real and personal way. We hope this message brings you closer to Jesus and is an encouragement to your life. Before we jump into the text, just uh, it is the Christmas season. I mean, we, we've got the garland and the lights. We've uh, got all the decorations out. We've heard the Christmas music playing um, everywhere we go. And, and it's on every radio station and all those good things. And, and when we think about Christmas... Um, there is the, the side of the wonder of all the decorations and those kind of things. Um, there's the, the reason for the season, Christ. Uh, but, but there's also a side of Christmas that uh, some would say it's a darker side. Some it's a, a, a joyous side, depending on how you look at it. But, but Christmas usually is the uh, season of gifts, um, in fact, this last week, as I was thinking about Christmas and, and praying about the message, um, there was an advertisement that popped up for a story about s- consumer spending in the month of, of uh, November and December about Christmas. And uh, there's a lot of gift exchanges happening, and the National Retail Federation says that between November 1st and December 31st, Americans this year will spend $730 billion. 54% of that is on gifts for the holiday season, gifts for other people. That is astounding, that, that number. Um, 54% of $730 billion will be spent on gifts for other people. And, and that's, that's just from November to December. That's not including all the people who are smart and start doing their Christmas shopping way ahead of time. <laughs> and, and so as I was just thinking about that, I'm thinking, you know, we are certainly a gift-driven society when it comes to Christmas and, and, and gifts and giving at Christmas. It's become this universal practice. And, and that's not, that's just on what people spend. That's not including all the homemade gifts that people will give and, and those kind of things. So, so let me ask you, of all the gifts that you've ever given or all of the gifts that you've received at Christmas time, how many of them have been life-altering for you? Think about it. How many of those gifts have been life-altering? That they've changed your life? How many of those gifts have had this life-changing impact either on you as the one who gives it or you as the one who receives it? I mean, out of 54% of $730 billion, surely there's got to be some kind of life-changing and life impact in those gifts, right? You know, when I think of my own life and I think of all the gifts I received as a kid growing up, I think of all the gifts that I've received at Christmas time, there's only been one gift that has had a profound impact on my life, and it was not even given during my lifetime. It was given at the first Christmas. It was given by God to us. It was the gift of Jesus Christ entering into our world. And, and, and there's no other gift I've received that even comes remotely close and, and, and even some of the gifts that I've, I've received 
over the years, none of it has the kind of impact that Christ does. But I also want to, to just think of this as, as God gives us gifts. You know, most of the time when there are gifts, there's exchanges, right? There's gift exchanges. Very rarely does anyone give you a gift where you don't give a gift back. So let me ask you this morning as we are here as a Christmas service celebrating Christmas, what gift will you give to Jesus? What gift will you give to God? A gift for a king, what would you give? I want to encourage you to open your copy of God's Word to Matthew chapter 2. Yeah. And in Matthew chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verse 11 as the uh, primary spot of our text. And so I want to invite you in honor of God's Word to please stand with me as we read Matthew chapter 2. And we're just going to look at verse 11 for the main portion of the text, but we'll be in other places as you see there in your sermon notes that was in the bulletin. Matthew chapter 2 in verse 11, it says, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts. And it tells us those gifts were gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful and humbled by the gift that you give us. Father, we in no way, shape, or form ever come close to deserving the kind of love and the kind of thought and the kind of intention that goes into the gift of when Christ came. But yet you do not give us the gifts based on our own merit. We are so grateful for that. But it's because of your grace and because of your love that Jesus came into our world, that he left the glories of heaven and came into our broken mess, that he may live among us, grow up among us, live a perfect and holy life, and then give that life as payment for our sin that we may be redeemed and rescued through his blood. We are forever grateful and may the gift that you have given us forever impact and change our lives. But Father, may it move us to be in a position where when we see the King, we also want to give a gift. And we lift this up in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, church. You may have a seat. I want to invite you as we begin to look at some of the Christmas story. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1, and Matthew chapter 2, uh, if you want to go ahead and, and get your, your fingers in those spots. But when we think about gifts that are being presented to King Jesus, we often think of the gifts that the wise men brought, right? Gold, frankincense, myrrh. Um, Ashley and I, this, this uh, last week, actually, I think we discovered it a couple years ago, but we watch a movie with the kids called The Star. And if you've seen that, it's a, it's a cartoon, uh, the animals at Christmas time, and it portrays the journey of the animals getting to be part of the, the nativity scene. It's a cute movie for kids, but at one point when the wise men come, they present their gifts, and the one says, you know, for the king, I brought gold. For the other one, I brought myrrh. And then one goes, I brought frankincense. I never know what to bring for these kind of things. <laughs> and it's, it's, just, it's just a cute line, but that's what we think of. We, we think of uh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but, but can I tell you this morning, I want to look a little deeper into the story and examine some gifts that were provided to God or given to God out of willingness of heart that you and I can look at our own lives and make an examination and say, would I give that kind of gift? Will I give that kind of gift this morning? 
The first one I want to look at is the gift that Mary gave. Number one, this morning we will look at Mary's gift. And I want to invite you to look with me in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, we will read the story of Mary. And it says this, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, well, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your, Elizabeth, uh, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son and in the sixth month with her uh, who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Can you imagine yourself in Mary's shoes? Can you imagine what it would be like to be approached by an angel? Here you are going through life as usual. Things are, are, are going well for you. In fact, if, if you look at what scholars tell us about Mary, she was undoubtedly a very young teenager, um, and she was betrothed to a man named Joseph. Now, we're not sure of, of what Joseph's age is, although he would have been older than Mary, just based on the standard of the time. But, but here is Mary, a teen girl, betrothed to the man who would be her husband, Joseph. And as she's going about preparing, undoubtedly, for her wedding or, or things in her, in her household, um, she is visited by an angel whose name is Gabriel. Now, here's a young lady going through life, and all of a sudden she is invited into the greatest story of redemption the world has ever known. And, and, and I just, I think of, of what's going on in, in, in her, her mind and in her heart as, as, as God in his sovereignty just chooses this young god fear to give birth to his son and to raise him as he grows. And, and, and we see in them Mary being a, a very, very devout God-fearer. She has saved herself for marriage. She is one who wants to follow the standards of the Lord, follow the standards of God. And as the angel unveils to her that she will give birth to a child, she goes, how's that going to work? <laughs> she, she's just going, I don't understand how this is going to take place. And the angel says, don't worry, it'll be from the Holy Spirit, the Lord will take care of all of this. The text tells us that Mary was greatly troubled by the presence of the angel, not understanding how all this was going to take place. And if, and if you just put yourself in Mary's shoes for a moment, you, you understand here's a young lady who is betrothed to, to the man who would be her provider, who would be the father of her children, the man who, who would take care of her 
the rest of her life and as she's about to, to embark in this marriage to Joseph, she's presented with a, a opportunity to follow God, but yet it's an opportunity that could literally cost her everything that's in front of her. It, it, it could cost her her engagement, not only to Joseph, but, but if she is found to be with child and it's not his, she would be labeled an adulterer and nobody would ever marry her. She would have to continue growing up in her father's household and that would be her provider until they were gone and then hopefully there's a kinsman redeemer who could maybe come along and, and, and look after her. But she would always be looked down upon. She would always be one who, who was under speculation, one who, who her reputation would be ruined. And not only her reputation, but the re uh, reputation of her family was at risk. And, and honestly, it's not just the life ahead of her that could have been affected, but there could be a possibility of no life ahead of her. Because if Joseph wanted to, he could exercise what was lawfully right for him to do, accuse her of adultery, present the evidence, and if found guilty, she would have been taken outside of the city and stoned to death. So, so here was a young woman, as her life is, is interrupted by the angel Gabriel, is presented with a scenario that her whole life could be the price that's paid for what's about to happen. No wonder Mary was troubled. <laughs> no, no wonder when Mary hears this news, she goes, yeah, wait, what? Well, well how, how could this be? And the angel tells her, don't worry, God is greater than the risk. Don't, don't you worry because what God has in store for you is much greater than any of the risk that's there. And trust me, he's got this. He's got you. The answer to the trouble is that the Holy Spirit is involved. The Holy Spirit will be with you every step of the way. The, the Holy Spirit will come over you and will overshadow you. The power of the Most High. Can I tell you, church, this morning that the power of the Most High overshadows any risk you and I ever face when it comes to living for Christ, when it comes to being obedient for God. God is greater than the risk. And, and so Mary's response to the messenger of God is one of yielding and service. When we look at Mary, when we look at her life, when we look at her circumstance, what gift could she possibly offer the creator of the universe, the creator of her? It was a gift of quiet submission. It was a gift of saying, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. You know, far too often you and I We'll get so caught up in what it might cost us if we truly let go and follow Jesus as fully as he wants us to. And yet we forget that it is the God of the universe that we are following. We forget that it is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, that is inviting us to be a part of his great redemption story. And you and I, need to understand and realize that rather than live in fear and rather than worrying about what we would lose, 
We should rejoice in what we're about to gain. We should rejoice in this opportunity to be in that close fellowship and relationship with the God of the universe, the God who made you and I. So when we look at Mary's gift, this gift of of quiet faithfulness and submission to God, this yielding, this Christmas season, why don't we choose to lay down our fears and realize that God has placed his favor on us through Jesus? Why don't we lay down our fears of following him, our fears of letting go of the lives that that, that we hold on to that are so filled with self-centeredness and sinfulness or worldliness and just say, I'm letting go of that and taking hold of all that God has for me because I know that what I'm going to gain through that is so much greater than anything this world has to offer. Why don't we give the same gift that Mary gives And stand before God and say, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Why don't we bring the gift of yielding and faith and offer him our faith and submission to be a part of his redemption story? That's Mary's gift. What a great gift to bring. As we look at the story of Mary, that that is certainly one that we can inspire this Christmas season. As we look at a gift to bring for a king, what will we bring to Jesus? How about just faith and submission to his will? What a great gift. Number two this morning, I want us to look at Joseph's gift. Look with me in Matthew chapter one. And when you look over in Matthew chapter one, we, we see the other side of the coin here. We, we see Mary's perspective. Let's look now at Joseph's. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken to the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, And he called his name Jesus. Can you imagine being in Joseph's shoes? I mean, we've looked at it from Mary's shoes. We've looked at it from Mary's perspective. Now let's put ourselves in Joseph's shoes. Um, You're engaged to this young woman who's going to be your wife. She's uh, living with her family while you are away preparing the home for which you're going to live. And word gets gets back to you from Mary herself. She comes and says, Joseph, listen, um, I, I want you to know I've heard from an angel and I'm going to give birth to a child. And if you're a man in the first century, you're saying, praise the Lord. Our children are our legacy. I'm excited for you. And she goes, no, no, Joseph, I'm with child right now. Well, that totally changes the tone. That goes from one of excitement to all all of a sudden you're in a spot where where the woman who you are engaged to, and by the way, in the first century, the engagement was not like the engagement today where it's like, you know, she said yes. Oh, then she changed her mind. Oh, well, no big deal. 
take the ring back. No, no, no. If you were engaged in the first century, this was the same as being married, but but the husband-to-be goes off to prepare the dwelling place and the living that you're going to have, and then he returns and takes his bride. They go through all of the marriage ceremonies, and, and then he goes to the place that's been prepared. And so here's Joseph who's working hard, preparing for the life that he is going to have with Mary when she comes to him with this crazy story that she's pregnant, but it's not by him, it's by God. Now, if I'm Joseph, there are all kinds of red flags going off in my mind. Uh, I mean, I'm sure Joseph hasn't seen Lost in Space, but I'm hearing danger, Will Robinson, danger. And, and, and Joseph, it says here that he's troubled by this, but being a just man, he's unwilling to put her to shame. Whew. Putting her to shame means he takes her to a public trial, and if found guilty, she's taken outside the city and stoned to death. He's not wanting to go that far. He's like, listen, I, I, I don't want anybody to lose their life over this thing. But, but at the same time, he, he's pretty crushed. I mean, what's his family going to think? What are his friends going to think? What kind of impact is this going to have on his carpentry business in a society where your reputation is what defines you? I mean, here he is trying to build a life and getting things together, and the woman that he's going to marry to share this life with is pregnant with a baby that's not his How's that going to look? How's this going to affect his ability to attend synagogue and to be a part of the ceremonies and practices of of worship at the temple? I mean, there are all these avenues and all of these aspects to consider. And in Joseph's mind, it says that he gives, uh, he basically says there's two options here. Take Mary to open court where she's found guilty of adultery, and we know the rest. Or the law allows for a quiet divorce where he would be free to marry another person and continue his family line with no stigmas. And he says, as he's thinking about those things, that's the option he wants to take. Let's take option number two. Quietly divorce her, not make a big deal about it, and then he can go on, become betrothed to someone else, and continue on his family legacy and lineage. I don't know about you guys, but if you put yourself in Joseph's shoes, I think this is the very definition of between a rock and a hard place. (laughs) This is a very difficult circumstance that Joseph finds himself in, and he's kind of going, okay, this is what I've got. I've got option A, option B, option one, option two, and I'm going to go with option two. However, as he's pondering these things, God gives him a third option. God gives him another alternative that falls in line with his will. Look at what it says. It says, an angel appears to him, and in verse 20, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Whew! Glad we got that one cleared up. Joseph, he, he listens to God, he responds to God, And he has this third option of do not fear to take Mary as your wife. And then scripture tells us then that Joseph, fearing God, loving God, follows God. And it says, 
From that moment, all that takes place, when Joseph awoke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. He accepted the role that God placed before him. And he said, okay, Lord, you've given me the command. You've given me the reassurance. I will follow you. The gift that Joseph brings at this Christmas story is an openness to God and obedience to what the Lord says. How many times do you and I miss out on the blessing of being a part of God's story because we're not even open to hearing what God has to say? Yet here's Joseph between a rock and a hard place going, I've got option A, option B. I can do number one, I can do number two. I don't like either one of them, but given my options, and the Lord steps in and goes, no, 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 Joseph, there's a third option. It's the option I want you to take. It's the option of, of what I want you to do. And Joseph says, okay, Lord, I'll do that one. It's this, it's this being open to hear what God has to say, open to being a part of God's will and God's way, and choosing to be obedient to the Lord. So let me ask you, as we've looked at, at Mary's gift of, of this faith and this submission to Christ, why not consider giving the gift to Jesus this morning that Joseph gives of being open to God and being obedient to whatever God tells you? I mean, here's the thing. As Christ followers, we should follow Christ. <laughs> I know, mind-blowing, isn't it? As, as Christ followers, we should be obedient to what God has for us, to be open to what God has for us. And so when the Lord says something like, uh, we're reading his word and he points out and it says, this is what a follower of Christ should do, before he even spills it out, we should be going, yes, Lord. Absolutely. This is what a Christ follower do. Okay, this is my course of action. This is my choice of what I'm going to take. And then Christ lays it out for us. You and I can present to the King of Kings the gift this Christmas season of being open to God's will and his way and being obedient to what the Lord tells us. And then I want to wrap up this morning with number three, the Magi. You continue reading on in Matthew, uh, beginning in verse one. It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And, he and they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, so it is written by the prophets, and you, O Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." And when Herod had summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared, he then sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child were Mary, uh, with Mary, his mother. They fell down and they worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their own country by another way. 
Here's the story of the Magi. Um, These are the gifts we typically think of, like we looked at at the beginning of the message. But but I want us to see here that the gift that they give to Christ is not just that of gold, frankincense, and myrrh as we're looking deeper into the story. Now, when we look at the Magi, when we, we look at, at the gifts and the greater gifts of their hearts that they brought, um, to understand a little bit of who these guys are, and we don't know really a lot about them. I was visiting with Alan this past week, and he told me that the wise men were firemen. And, and I said, Alan, how's that? Because they came from afar. That's his fault. He did that one. All right. So, so, so as, as, as here we are, we, we have the, these wise men. Who, who were they? Um, probably not firemen, uh, but, but, but they were dignitaries from a land from the east, from the far east. And, and we don't know their exact origins, but we do know that as dignitaries from a distant land, that their purpose was to come and pay respects and honor to a new king that was entering into the world stage. They, they were ones who were coming to, to give honor to a new king. The problem, however, lies in the fact that the current king, uh, who is Herod, as long as he remains loyal to Rome, knows nothing of a new king. That's quite the dilemma. Here, the wise men show up and they enter into the courts of the king, uh, King Herod in the palace of Jerusalem. They say, we're here to worship the new king. And Herod's going, oh, that's lovely. I don't know anything about this. And his followers are scrambling. See, Herod was not known to be a gracious king. Herod was a very evil king. He was a very dominant king. It's, it's part of the reason why Rome let him stay established. As long as he stayed loyal to Rome and carried out the, the vicious control that Rome sought and kept down any uprisings, then Herod would stay in Rome's favor. So a new king entering into the world stage in his area is not what Rome wants to hear about. And so Herod is troubled and it says all of Jerusalem is troubled with him. Which means this is not a private thing, but it is a public awareness. As the wise men show up, if they haven't heard about it already, which they should have since all of this took place in Bethlehem, just about seven miles outside of Jerusalem, they're hearing it now and they're going, oh, this ain't good. This means there's going to be heavy persecution. This means it's going to be a very bad deal for everybody. And it says, Herod wants to seek out more information. When did the star appear? AKA, how old is this king? Where did this take place, scholars? AKA, where are we going to go to do something about this? And and so here we have Herod finding out the information and the Magi, man, they're just happy to be there. They're just happy to get to be a part of whatever is happening on the world stage that's big enough that there's a star that that shows up in the sky to announce it. That's a big deal. And and so here they come. They're listening. They're hearing all of the information. and, And Herod pulls them aside and says, hey. Listen, you guys go worship him, and when you find him, I'm, I'm pretty busy with kingly stuff here, but when you find him, I want you to come back and tell me where he's at, because I too want to go worship him. 
Again, I don't know if there was actually a wink there, but <laughs> but but that, that and so the the wise men they okay, so they go about their way. They go and and they see where Jesus is, and it says they bow down and they worship him. They present their gifts, but it also tells us here in verse twelve that they are warned in a dream not to return to Herod. So therefore, they depart to their own country by another way. Here are these guys who are dignitaries from another land coming to give honor to a new king. Here's a current king who's not wanting to allow this on his watch. And if you read more of scripture and the Christmas story, we see that Herod goes to Bethlehem and gives the edicts that any ch- male child under two, year, two years old and under are to be executed in the streets. Mass genocide just to make sure they get this king. So what of the wise men? Here you are a dignitary and all of a sudden, obviously you're a God-fearer because God talks to you and you, you're able to understand and respond and, and it tells them not to return to Herod, so they go a different way. I don't know if we ever put this together, but that's a very dangerous thing for these dignitaries to do. Especially when Herod is not just representing Judea, he is a representative of the entire Roman Empire. He is a Roman official put in place as long as he is faithful and loyal to Rome. And so these dignitaries who disobey what Herod tells them and goes about a different direction are putting their lives at risk. Even even if it's a diplomatic thing, they're putting their reputation of their homeland at risk. And we don't know if their homeland was part of the Roman Empire. If so, then they're in trouble with what's happening there. If not, then they're putting all of their people in danger because if Rome decides this is an act of war and retaliates, it's a big deal. And I think a lot of times we look at the story of the Magi and we don't realize just how dangerous them deciding not to go back to Herod is. And yet here they, they obey God. They, they act in boldness and in trust that God is going to take care of them. And as I look at at the the wise men, yes, we see the obvious. We see their gifts of gold. We see their gifts of frankincense. We see their gifts of myrrh. But can I tell you that a gift from deep down in their heart was a gift of boldness and trust in God. And and, and church, as we close out, I want to just ask you this Christmas season, why not be bold for the Lord and trust his leading? even if it means going outside the expectations of the world that we find ourselves in, why not be bold for Christ this Christmas season and say, King Jesus, I offer you my willingness and boldness to trust you no matter what it is. As we look back at the the three gifts that we examine, we see that Mary gave God her faith and submission. We see that Joseph gave God his openness and obedience. 
And we see that the Magi give God boldness and trust. So church, let me ask you, this Christmas season, what gift will you give to Christ? What gift will you give to King Jesus? Not materialistic, not not a portion of the $730 billion that people are spending this season, but from your own heart, what gift will you give the King? Some of you this morning, as we begin to close, may be looking at your life and saying, you know, I don't know if I've ever even receive the gift that that Jesus brings. I don't know if I can even give a gift to the king because I don't know the king. Can I tell you this morning that the whole reason for Christmas is God entering into your world because he loves you. Because he sees the mess of sin that we are in. And he says, I want to give you redemption. I want to rescue you. I want to give you life and give it to you abundantly if you will give your life to me. I like to say that the grace of God is the free gift that costs us everything. It's a gift of which we give our old, busted, sinful lives to him in exchange for a new, forgiven, and righteous life in Christ. And let me ask you this morning, maybe the gift that you need to bring is an openness to God and a willingness to give your life to him. Maybe it's the gift of faith as one who is giving their life to Christ. Maybe it's the gift of trust as one who is giving their life to Christ for the first time ever. Maybe you're here this morning and you've given your life to Christ, but the Holy Spirit has tugged your heart, whether it's through the gift of Mary, the gift of Joseph, or the gift of the Magi. And you're saying, I'm tired of playing games. And this Christmas season, I want to give God a gift that is life altering because he has already altered my life. And I want to continue to build on that and grow on that. I know as we talk about the word this morning, that the scripture tells us his word does not return void. And I know that whatever it is, each and every person in this room, there's a message for you within the text of what we've looked at, within the message that's been presented. And I want to ask you, will you respond to him today? Will you give your life to Christ? Will you give your circumstances to Christ? Will you give your opportunities to Christ that he may do whatever he wills in your life? I want to invite you to stand with me and with every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to invite you here in just a moment. We're going to have a time where we sing and we sing out, uh, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. And if that's your prayer this morning, I want to invite you to to come and just get on these altars, these steps, and just sing it as a prayer to God this morning. And maybe for, for you, this is the first time you've ever given your life to Christ. This is the first time, which, which really is all you need is one, <laughs> to say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I give my life to you. Let me ask you this morning, would you be willing to come and just grab me and say, Pastor Justin, I want to give my life to Jesus this morning. Let me tell you, there is not anything in the world that would make my day like somebody saying, Justin, will you help me come to know Christ right now? I'll be on cloud nine for all the rest of the day and then some because I want to rejoice over a new brother and sister in Christ. And if that's you, I want to invite you as we sing here in a moment to to come and just grab me by the hand and say, Justin, will you help me know Jesus?
Let's pray together. Father, we ask this morning that your love would reign supreme in our hearts, that your drawing of the Holy Spirit would just give us the boldness to step out. And whether it's coming and saying, Lord, I've already given you much of my life, but I know there are still parts where I need to give up control. And this morning, I want to give those to you. Or Father, maybe it's someone coming and just saying, I've never given my life to Jesus, but I want to today. I want today to be the day of salvation for me. I want it to be a life-altering gift that I receive from God and that I give back to him in exchange. Father, whatever it is, may your spirit stir us to move. And in all this, we will glorify and honor Christ as we lift this up in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If the Lord has blessed you through this message, please feel free to contact us at podcast at pahuskafbc.org. Also, please rate and review us on iTunes and share us with your friends and family. May the Lord richly bless you as you grow closer to Him. And if you currently are without a church home, we would love to welcome you here at Pahuska's First Baptist Church. God bless.